Now, last week we talked about how a church is designed to care. And we talked about the first century church and how they would come together daily, weekly, regularly. And in being together, it created a context where they were inspired by God. And they were in awe of what God was doing in their midst. They were inspired to the point that they were willing to be generous, unusually generous to one another. And in doing so, they had favor with all the people. And so we talked about how God is calling us to care in a way that touches people. And this week we're going to talk about the second component of the big three things that we're going to focus on as a church, and that is grow. You know, as also we mentioned last week, a church is designed, we believe, to be a family that cares, a family that grows together, and a family that reaches people together. You know, if we will care well for each other, as we talked about last week, and and if we will grow together, as we're going to talk about this week, we're going to be better positioned to reach people for Jesus. You know, I do believe that doing church well is very much about doing the fundamentals well. If we'll do the basics well, then we'll be well on our way to being the best we that we can be. Because as we've talked about, it's not about being somebody else. It's not about trying to copy other churches. It's just about being who God's called us to be and to be the best we you know, several years back, I took a new job. And as has probably happened with some of you, I was really excited about my new job. Anybody ever been excited about a new job? Yeah. So I was excited, and then, but I realized very quickly that my boss who had hired me to do this job, he didn't really know what my job was. He'd never done it himself. And so very quickly, I, I started to be a little bit concerned. How am I going to figure out how to do my job? It was to be a coffee sustainability manager. What in the world does that mean? So it, it, being very kind, he put me on a plane, and I flew to another location, and, my, and I was going to go learn how to do my job. So I met with a guy who was doing my job in a different location, and I met with him for an hour. And he gave me some very, very helpful but very general information about how to do my job. So then I got on a bus. I went six hours and spent two weeks. And I met with another guy who was doing my job in another place. And I met with him every day for like an hour, for two weeks. And again, it was very helpful but very general information. Most of the time, in order to learn how to do my job, I spent time in front of the computer, you know, looking at documents, or I was on the back of a motorcycle going into coffee fields seeing and trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. So I come back from my two weeks of training and realized I wasn't that much further ahead. But what was interesting was because I had to do it, you know, because I had to figure out how to do my job. I was accountable for results. Eventually, I did figure it out. You know, I did a lot of reading, a lot of learning. I pieced things together. It was a little bit patchwork, but we did get the job done in the end. Now, each one of you has had situations in your life that you felt very much unprepared for, right? We're talking about marriage. We're talking about parenting. We're talking about job. We're talking about school. And you felt very unprepared for what you were facing, and maybe that's right now for you. But what happens is when we have to do something, when we have to learn something, a lot of times we'll rise to the occasion. So today I'm going to make a case for us to grow spiritually. Because the things that you and I are facing, it, this is not small potatoes. I mean, we're facing hard stuff. We're facing challenging stuff. And I believe that God's calling us to grow so that we can meet those challenges. And it's in the context of this body of believers that we're going to grow the best. 
So at the end of this message, I'm going to suggest two steps that will enable you to begin developing the potential that God's placed in you. The first one's going to be difficult. The second will be a matter of scheduling. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. We're going to read that half of this psalm. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. And I believe God's got some really helpful information for us this morning. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. So the first lesson for us this morning, and this is, this is a, a psalm that I, that I love, and it's a very short passage we're going to read this morning, but I feel like it's packed with information that God's going to share with you and with me about how he wants us to grow and how he wants to plant us. And we'll get to that analogy in a moment. But the first lesson here is he says, be careful of the company you keep this man who is blessed. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. So the lesson is to be careful of the company you keep. When you're young, right, when you're in school, you're drawn to who? Who are you drawn to? The cool people. Okay, the cool people. You were probably one of them. <laughs> Maybe not me. But basically, we're drawn to whoever accepts us. I mean, if the cool people accept me, fine. But for me, it was just whoever would accept me was my friend. Right? So we're drawn to people who accept us. So that means as a parent, you know, our children, they need guidance, right? With choosing their friends. Because we can see it, huh? You see your child. You see your friend. They, they link up with somebody. They link arms with somebody. And you say, uh-oh. That's going to be a problem. Right? So they need guidance with how to choose friends well. As an adult, though, we don't always choose the people we spend the most time around. Is that right? How many, how many of you folks got to get to choose who you spend 40 hours a week with? Those of you that are still kind of actively employed, do you get to choose who you spend time with? Jamie? Right? Do you like everybody you work with? No. They, they, they can't hear this. So don't worry. Cody, do, do you like everybody that you work with? Okay, I won't put anybody else on the spot. But we don't get to choose those people, right? They're chosen for us by, by our bosses. So it's important that when we do have a little bit of free time, and I tell you, in our day and time, it feels like free time is less and less and less. We're so busy, right? So when you have a little bit of free time, it's really important that you choose carefully who you spend that time with. So are we spending time with people who influence us positively? Are we spending time with people that we'd say it's just kind of neutral? Or are we spending time with people who influence us negatively? You know, if we will choose well, it can break the spell of the world. Because like we've said, the enemy is on the prowl. You know, he is active. First Peter 5 eight says he's like a roaring lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour. So if we're going to resist him, like 1 Peter 4, 7 says, he'll resist the devil, he will flee from you. We're going to need help, Right? So what I'm going to submit to you today as far as this point is that we need to revere God and fear the enemy when we choose our companions. Show reverence for God that we trust his opinion and then fear of the enemy who's prowling around seeking to destroy us. So what are companions? Companions are people that we choose to walk with. These are people we choose to do life with. They are who we spend our free time with other than family. So the psalmist mentions three kinds of people in this passage that will make unfit 
companions. Now, the, there's two of them that you're going to say, no problem. But the third kind is going to be a challenge. And that leads to the challenging step I'm going to ask you to take at the end of this message. But first of all, we've got the wicked. Okay, wicked are people who are just bent on wrongdoing. That's just their natural bent. They're unashamedly looking at what's in it for me. Rules, laws, and common courtesy are not important to this person except as a way to get what they want. Have you ever met someone like this? Nothing is off limits. For them, anything goes. And sometimes these people can be a little bit kind of fun to be around, maybe when you're in college. Because there's no rules. That, that anything's right. Whatever they want to do, they just do. They don't think anything about it. This person is hot or cold. They will not hesitate to use someone as a means to an end. Namely, their own end. You ever been used by someone like this in your life? It, it feels awful, doesn't it? And, and you, you figure out real quickly, this person, it's all about them. And, and there's no rules. The only rule is whatever's best for them. So the scripture says, be wary of yoking yourself with these people. You know, typically we spend time with a person like this because we're also getting something that we want. Right? But in the end, you will always lose more than you gain when you're a companion with the wicked. Someone who's bent on wrongdoing. So that one's out of the way. Now, if you're involved with someone like this, and it happens sometimes, get out of that relationship. You know, do not yoke yourself with this person because you will end up harmed. Now, the second kind of person is the sinner. This is someone who is actually very easy to like. This is someone who consistently misses the mark. Scripture says sin is when you miss the mark. But this is not someone who occasionally makes a mistake. This is someone who consistently misses the mark and then shrugs it off and says, hey, nobody's perfect. You know, in fact, they accept your imperfections just as easily as they accept their own. So can you imagine, you can, you can understand why this person's so enjoyable to be around, in a sense. They may be a lot of fun on the weekend, but at best, spending time with a person like this who consistently misses the mark, it's going to leave you feeling like your time might have been better spent. Now, can you remember this a time in high school or in college or maybe, maybe, maybe now? There's somebody that you enjoy being with. They're so relaxed. They accept you real easily and they accept themselves real easily. But you, you know that being around them is not good for you. You know, more likely, you know, rather than just feeling like you didn't spend your time well, when you're with someone like this, you're going to feel like you've compromised your values at some point. You know, spending time with these folks kind of makes us dull. It doesn't sharpen us. But this is a hard relationship to break because these people are very, very likable. And they accept you just as you are. But if they are influencing you negatively, you are not, then you are not helping them and they're not helping you. And the reason why is spending... A, Time with this person, you know, you, you can tell when you're spending too much time with this person because you give and receive grace without responsibility. So this kind of person says, it, no problem, you know, every, nobody's perfect, and then they don't accept responsibility for their choices. You know, they, they make a lot of messes. Oops, oops, oops with that relationship, oops with that financial decision. Nobody's perfect, and then you begin to find yourself doing the same kind of stuff. So scripture says, avoid these kind of folks. You know, it's not about not having influence with them, but it's not making them your companion who you walk through life with. 
So again, if you're spending time with somebody like this, you'll find yourself saying, lighten up. Nobody's perfect, right? You know, in high school, uh, there was a new kid in school, and um, I'll just call him John. So John was a year younger than me. I was 16, he was 15. And he was different. Like, he was from South Florida. Um, he told me later on he'd been in some gangs. Like, he had, he'd been involved in some things that I was completely unfamiliar with. I was attending a private Christian school at the time. And we got to be pretty good friends. And it was, it was just like this with John. Because he was so different from me, and he was so warm and accepting of me. I always enjoyed being with him. But time and time again, I found myself in compromising situations. Situations where I felt like I was compromising my values. But I never blamed him for it. I just enjoyed being with him so much. In fact, one time when I was 16 and he was 15, he talked me into letting, me drive, letting him drive my car. You can imagine somebody with no experience, so he gets behind the wheel and we hit a car. Get in a car accident. He totals my car. My parents' insurance is in a mess. And I'm still not mad at him. And to this day, when I think about John, I smile. Because he was so charismatic and so friendly and enjoyable to be around. And still, I'm friends with him on Facebook. He's still having the time of his life. You know, just having a good time. But he was one of these folks that you, you love them. But they're not good for you. And when you're with them, you're not helping them either. So that's what scripture is talking about, these folks. Call them sinners. But this is, these are people that miss the mark and then just say, no big deal, no problem. Okay? The third kind of person is also not too hard to avoid unless you are one of these or maybe you're related to one. They're called mockers. Mockers are both prideful and cynical. You can't teach a mocker anything because they already know it. You're thinking of someone, maybe, maybe at work. These folks always have a snappy, sarcastic answer ready for any occasion. They're quick to speak and slow to listen. When you're with a mocker, you always feel like they have the upper hand. Like you can never win an argument with a mocker. They're too fast. And they're just too sharp. You can't win. But if you choose them for a companion, you will find yourself becoming increasingly prideful and cynical. You know, I have an uncle like this. And I love being with him. But when I, the more time I would spend with him, the more I would find myself saying the kind of things he was saying. And it was usually cutting remarks about somebody or something. So now when we're talking about the wicked, uh, the sinners and the mockers, we're not saying that God doesn't want to have influence on these folks. But you know what? We only have so many slots on our dance card. Do, do we still use those? <laughs> I might be dating myself. So you've got a dance card and then you have slots. But we've only got so many slots that we're filling up all of our available time with people like this. How, how is that helping us? We're not helping them. They're not helping us. But if we fill up these kind of folks, we're making ourselves, and this is where it hits home, very, very vulnerable to the enemy. So we've only got a little bit of free time as adults, right? Let's spend it. Verse 2, but his delight, this is again describing the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. You know, in our lives, you and I invest in what we delight in, because what you give to gives back, right? You invest in what you delight in, because what you give to gives back. So what kind of return are you getting from what you delight in? 
What are those things that just grab your heart, they grab your attention, you invest your time? For me, when I was young, it was sports. You know, I remember watching Ohio State football with my grandpa years ago when I was very young. And you know, it was amazing whether we were watching the Bengals, the Reds, or the Buckeyes, no matter what game, no matter what stadium they were playing in, somehow, and I believe this just as much as Grandpa Diedrich did, the referees were always cheating against my team. Every time. I'm not sure how it happened, but every time. You know, we just believed. But I spent years just consuming sports, playing sports, focusing on sports, until I realized as an adult, finally, that what I was giving so much of myself to was giving me very little in return. And it, it, would, it would, I mean, one time I remember missing a wedding. That wasn't my blood relative, but I actually missed the wedding because Ohio State was playing Michigan. And I had to see it. This is before Timo, so I didn't really have another option. But I was giving so much to sports and it was giving me so little in return. So what's that thing that you give your heart to, your time to, and are you getting the return? That it, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Now, one of my favorite things now when it comes to delighting in the law of the Lord is small group Bible study. I love it. You know, it rarely lasts more than an hour, but I always leave feeling enriched. I've got a Bible study on Monday mornings. I meet with the elders and anybody else who's interested at 7 o'clock. We're going through the book of Job. And I gain so much, not just from reading the Bible, by myself, off in a corner, but in having small group Bible study with other believers. And then I always gain so much from that study of the Word together. You know, I love the phrase, the law of the Lord. It reminds me that nobody understands the creation better than the Creator. You know, because He made it, He knows how it works best. So if I want a happy marriage, if I want satisfying family relationships, if I want balanced finances, if I want, you know, good vocational pursuits, then I will do well to invest in the gift that keeps on giving. And that's the Word of God. You know, this is one reason we put such an emphasis on small group Bible study. We're surrounding ourselves with companions who also value and delight in the law of the Lord. The teaching of the one who made things and the one who knows stuff, he gives the best advice. You know, meditating, which just talks about meditating on the word of the Lord, it means spending time reading and thinking about what you have read. It means asking yourself how you should change so you're living according to God's design. So, let's align ourselves with companions who also delight in the law of the Lord through small group Bible study. This is a great choice. And what it's going to do is it's going to help you avoid being a sitting duck for the enemy. Now, isn't that true? Don't a lot of us do this? We're just a sitting duck. We're just waiting for the enemy to attack us. We're doing nothing to prevent. We're not trying to dodge or bob and weave. You know, a week or so ago, we had a shooting event with the men at Lee's Farm. And I'll tell you something. If those clay pigeons had been sitting still, I would have hit a lot more. <laughs> My son embarrassed me. He hit like 11 out of 15. But the point is, is that it's much more difficult to hit a moving target. And for a lot of us, we're just kind of sitting there. We're like that dove or, or that, that prey. And we're, we're, not even, we're not even trying to get away. 
We're not positioning ourselves well. We're not aligning ourselves with good companions. We're not investing and in delighting in the law of the Lord. And so we're just sitting ducks. And so maybe this is God's message for us today. Is he's saying, don't be a sitting duck. Align yourself with good companions. Delight in the law of the Lord. Invest in the gift that keeps on giving. And then you'll be positioned for God to do what we're going to talk about next. Verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So, allow God to plant you like a stream, or like a tree by a stream of water. So if we will be careful of the company we keep and delight in the law of the Lord, then we open the door for God to establish us like a tree planted by streams of water. And so here's the payoff. If we'll follow this process that God's laid out for us in this passage, is first of all, we'll be able to nourish others. Now you, when I say this, you, you know what I'm talking about. You probably can think of a who that I'm talking about somebody that when they're in the environment with you, when you have a conversation with them, you, you're better for it. They're able to nourish others. When we're with this kind of person, we know, I mean, these aren't wicked folks that are just looking out for, for number one. These aren't sinners who just make mistake after mistake after mistake and say, hey, nobody's perfect. And these aren't people that are just down on folks and cutting. In fact, these kind of people, they're pretty careful with what they say say. In fact, they're a little bit quieter than you might expect. When we're with this kind of person, we want to be a better version of ourselves. We observe what they do and we're curious about what they think. So if, we're, if we allow God to plant us, then we'll be able to nourish and benefit others. We'll also be productive for the long term. You know, anybody can be flash in the pan productive. A number of years ago, I was part of a Bible Bowl team. Anybody know what that is? Bible Bowl. It's where you study several chapters of Scripture and you get together with other youth groups and you have like a competition, like a tournament. And so the first tournament, I prepared really hard. And our team did really good. Like we won like 12 matches versus 5 losses. And so I started to feel pretty good about my performance. You know, I had done pretty well. And so I didn't prepare very hard for the next tournament. You can imagine what happened. We kind of reversed it. We went from 12 and 5 to 5 and 12. So anybody can be flash in the pan productive. But it takes intentional cultivation for someone or something to be productive in the long term. You know, I've told you before that I was in coffee farming. And I've been out to many coffee farms. I've seen the trees that they grow on. It's really interesting. But one of the things they'll do is they'll prune those coffee trees every year. Cut the, tr cut the limbs back. And in fact, when it reaches a certain age, they'll actually stump a coffee tree all the way down to the stump and let it regrow. And what they're doing is they're stimulating and promoting long-term productivity for that tree. So with that in mind, it is no accident that Jesus describes himself as the vine and we are the branches in John 15. So if, if you and I are choosing our companions well and delighting in the law of the Lord, then these are two great steps we can take in order to abide in Jesus and to gain strength and nourishment from him. And as we abide in Jesus, 
He's going to prune us of those unnecessary and unhealthy habits in our lives. He's going to prune us so that we can be a long-term contributor. And isn't this who you and I want to be? Don't we want to be the kind of people that make a difference, that have a positive impact when we're around, that, that our presence is felt? And don't we want to continue to be that? Not just flash in the pan, but somebody who stands the test of time and who's able to continue to contribute and be productive. And then the last idea under this planting is that whatever you do prospers. Whatever you do prospers. Now, when it comes to prosperity, I know this is a tricky subject with the church, but anybody will tell you who has been achieved some measure of success, if you are able to benefit others, like the first idea, able to nourish others, and you're able to keep doing that, I mean, if you're able to help people, isn't that what doing a business or a ministry is all about? You help people. You solve a problem. You create a solution, and then you keep solving people's problems. You keep helping people. If you do that over the long term, there's a really good chance that you're going to be okay. You're going to be good financially. You're going to be good relationally. And you're going to be doing what God's called you to do. So he says, whatever this person does, this tree planted by streams of water who has deep roots in the Lord. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 talks about that. Having deep roots in Christ. This person is going to be able to make a difference, and they're going to be able to do it over the long term, and everything they do is going to prosper. You know, this, this being planted by God, this is a condition that's true regardless of location. You know, wherever this person goes, it doesn't matter. They're going to make a difference because they're rooted in the Lord. Mobility and versatility is precisely what makes this person so valuable. Can you think about that person that you know? It's like wherever they go, wherever they move, whatever they do, they make a difference. So if you and I will choose our companions well and delight in the law more, then we're positioning ourselves to be planted by God in the way that we have just described. So two action steps, and here's what I promised. The first one's a little bit challenging. Action step number one is to evaluate your companions. You know, who do you need to withdraw from? Because we've only got so much free time. And who do you need to engage with more? You know, are you spending, probably you're not spending time with the wicked. If you are, then stop. You're going to get hurt. You're probably not spending time with the mockers because you probably can't stand being around them. But it, it's the sinners. You know, and, and this, again, isn't about not being an influence with them, but just if you're yoking yourself with the people that make that just mistake. After they make mistakes in their, with their money, they make mistakes with relationships, they make mistakes with vocation, and they're just constantly having problems, but they never take responsibility for those problems. And they just say, hey, nobody's perfect. Be careful about yoking yourself with those folks. So the first step is to evaluate your current companions. Who do you need to withdraw from a little bit? Who do you need to engage with more? And then the second step is to choose at least one time a week. Just one time a week for intentional small group Bible study because if it's not happening in your life I know that you feel the absence of it but if you get into that small group and study the Bible together just once a week it'll make a huge difference so at this church we've got several opportunities Monday mornings at 7 a.m. I've got a Bible study in my office Sunday mornings we've got Bible classes from 9.30 to 10.15 then on Wednesday nights we've got life groups kicking it off this week 
So those are three opportunities. And if you're not in small group Bible study here, find one. I know of several I can recommend. But if you're going to be prepared to avoid and, and resist the enemy and be productive and healthy for the long term, I plead with you to find those companions that are going to delight in the law of the Lord with you so that God can plant you like a tree by streams of water so that you can be the kind of person that regardless of where you are, regardless of who you're with, you're the same. And you improve things. And you point people in the right direction. And you move people to be the, a better version of themselves and to also be rooted in the Lord. You know, it's no surprise that with well-chosen companions, and a delight in the law of the Lord. This will position us so that God can plant us well. You know, a person who is planted well is somebody we can depend on. A group of persons who are planted well becomes a force that can change a community. And as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, can you imagine a community where every single church in this community becomes an environment where people are choosing their companions while delighting in the law of the Lord and being planted by God so they are able to nourish others be productive for the long term and bring prosperity. Let's be those kind of folks. Let's be that kind of church. Let's be that kind of environment and make the difference that God has called us to make. Pray with me. God, thank you for, the, for today and for this opportunity to study your word and to be challenged and encouraged together, God. I do pray for my friends that as we face all the stuff that we're facing every day, God, that we would, we would engage with you, that we would engage with other believers in such a way that we would be a moving target. That we would not be easy prey for the enemy to come in and do what he loves to do, which is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But that we would prepare ourselves and position our, ourselves so that we can be planted and have deep roots. Be planted by you, God. Because that's your desire for us. You have good things for us. You want us to experience the abundant life, but we have to take steps, God. We have to take steps to allow you to do the things that you desire to do to, for our benefit and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray.